I want to slap your cat, serve up some hot, hot tuna. This is They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Spray. I'm Jess Geyer. And uh, that intro is a quote from the movie Going Overboard. It's uh, part of a song that sang, and it was the thing that stuck out in my mind the most, because it was pretty gross. It's the thing that is going to be stuck in my head for the next eternity. This is the song that they will play on my elevator to hell. But at the same time, it kind of slaps. It slaps your cat, that's for sure. Right upside its head, I think, was the other line. Yeah, his head, yeah. His, his head. Um, we watched Going Overboard. Uh, again, this is a podcast where we are watching every single Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent movie. And figuring out what it's all really about instead of uh, blatant hate on the man. Although... The first thing that comes to mind after watching this movie is like, man, that sucked. That's, that's, yeah, it was, it was not good. It was a pretty bad movie. It was a pretty bad movie. But, you know, I feel like the movie is just two steps away from being a cult classic. Like, it has a lot of that feel. And there are a lot of parts of it that are that are very uh, endearing to me. And there were some parts where I laughed. You know, I laughed at yeah. a couple parts. But, you know... Can you guess how many times I laughed during that movie? I was trying to count, but I lost count. I think you did four. Four? Yeah. You, you think I laughed four times during that yeah. movie? Okay, so I'm going to point out, I laugh at a lot of stuff all the time. I'm a very laughable person. I laughed 16 times during that movie. 16 times? Not bad. That That's more than most movies by far. Only 99 minutes? That's... That's like a laugh every, what, four minutes? That's pretty good. But it's a movie about a stand-up comedian. I don't... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I laughed way less than a stand-up comedian act. <laughs> I didn't laugh at a single one of the, like, actual jokes that they were trying to tell. I don't know if we were supposed to. No, I don't think that we were supposed to either, which is why this movie is so perplexing to me. Yeah, yeah all right. Let's, uh, let's, let's recap it. So I have an eight-page document. <laughs> no, sorry. How? It's nine pages. That's got to be longer than the script was. So the movie starts off, we get like this beautiful PowerPoints presentation slide transition. Like it goes from the inside to the outside in a nice square. And there's a person who we later find out is Noriega. He's going through VHS tapes and they're mostly like, it looks like softcore porn or porn or something. And then he and then he finds um, the unsinkable Shecky Moskovitz. I wrote weird porn intro, question mark. And then why is this intro so fucking long? Yeah, but he puts that in. He puts the VHS in and it starts playing. It starts playing the credits, the opening credits of the movie. It's like a, it's yeah. this weird diegetic opening scene because he and, and this is the frame device really for the rest of the movie. It's it's so bizarre. Yeah. So the weird thing, the thing I didn't actually know, that's like a real dictator crime lord guy. Oh, yeah. General Noriega. Yeah. Yeah. I I kind of thought they were just doing a catch all authoritarian dictator guy who was into porn and weird comedies so the 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 opening scene is a caricature like a boardwalk caricature of adam sandler (laughs) in front of a brick wall making different faces and after like the third or fourth minute his face changes again and it (laughs) caught me and i laughed for the first time it just it lasts for so long that it just like got me with one of those uncomfortable laughs where i'm like what is going on why hasn't the movie started i'm so so weirded out. It was a three-minute-long opening credit scene, which is long. And, and it's all to this reggae song called <laughs> You Man, You Too Girly Girly. Like, I... <laughs> I think it's thematic, though. It was, it was a thematic song, yes. that it turned out. And I, I'm actually impressed um, by a few things here that, like, there were a lot of elements that tied this movie together, but I don't think it was executed very well. Yeah, they immediately go to a questionnaire part of the Miss America or Miss Universe pageant. They're like, what do you think of Shecky? And they're like, he smells and he's ugly. He has, what was it, great concepts about life, but I wouldn't want him to touch me. That was the weird one. Yeah, and it's like illuminated pageant girls talking vapidly about these pageant 
points. And this recurs throughout the movie, too. So it does that, and that's like a huge tonal shift. So we already have like two tonal shifts in this movie. We go from Noriega putting the DVD in. That's a tonal shift. And then it goes to these pageant girls, and that's a big tonal shift. And then it immediately goes to... Another tonal shift. A taxi pulls out. And he starts talking to the camera, Shecky, who is played by Adam Sandler. <laughs> he tells us the story. Like, he's talking, breaking the fourth wall, saying that, it, number one, it's a fake story that he's telling that is loosely thrown together. That they have no money for the movie, but what they what they had was a boat and beautiful woman, so that's what the movie mostly is. Clean women, he says. Oh, yeah, he called them clean. clean. I remember that. So weird. But the the scene where he goes up the little gangplank, like it's this zigzag gangplank that goes up to the top of the ship, was so cute. Yeah, it's just him doing silly walks, trying to make people laugh. It was so funny. At this point in the movie, I was like, there's a chance I'm going to love this movie. So we find out that Shecky is a waiter on the ship. Um, yeah. So his, his waiter clothes is, is this adorable sailor outfit, like long sleeves. <laughs> like he's like a Donald Duck. I love it. Yeah, he's dressed like Donald Duck. I love <laughs> That's it. That's all I could think about. Ascot and everything. The antagonist of the film, Dickie Diamond, is the com- ship's comedian for this cruise ship. And he's lounging on the deck with surrounded by a bunch of women. He's got this huge hairy chest. He's wearing this gold chain. Dickie Diamond is played by uh, Scott LaRose. From a comedy standpoint, what I got from that is he's kind of an Andy Dice Clay type which was very popular then. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay basically just said, like, vulgar shit, but, like, kind of put it into a joking tone, and then people loved him. Like, um, and he was supposed to basically just represent that type of comedian. Yeah, and I was really confused in the scene scene when Adam Sandler, like, he first sees him, and it's like that scene in Kill Bill where Mm -hmm. I forget what the person's name is but the bride is looking at her down the Beatrix hallway Kiddo? yes thank you and they have like that and it zooms on their face yeah. does he want to kiss the guy or does he hate him i'm so confused yeah it, it was confusing on he was obviously and mentioned how jealous he is that this comedian was getting work and he wasn't even though this dude's a hack and he sucks yeah work and women too and, and woman, he constantly talked about how all women were all over him. That was the basic conceit of the whole movie is everything he did and everything everyone did was to get woman. I feel like I have to address something to our fictional audience is the way that Alex pluralizes women. <laughs> I can't say the difference between woman and woman. That Those were two different words, what I just said. He, he hears the difference, but no one else does. But that's okay. Let's continue. Okay, we meet next, we meet um, Shecky's friend, Bob. Good guy. Who's probably my favorite character in the movie. He's supposed to be the like friend supporter of the, his comedy career, but actually doesn't care and has no idea what he's talking about. Like, that's basically like the audience. Not like our audience, yeah. but like an audience of someone who gives advice to like here's what it would be like if you were funny here's what you should do but he never actually knows what to say bob and shecky have a conversation about how how shecky wants to ask dicky diamond if he can if shecky can open for dicky diamond and there's a line that i quoted here that shecky says i just want them to hear what i say mm-hmm. and both of them break the fourth wall they're actually filming this cruise ship which i think is actually impressive because those rooms are tiny and you can see that it's very tiny yeah they're always sitting on the same bed like touching each other because there's not room not to be um and then it it transitions to one of dickie's stand-up shows on the deck of the ship um dickie dickie diamond is wearing a terrific outfit (laughs) yeah it's like a kimono with a speedo and a golden medallion right that's what i'm yeah. Oh, and he always wears a black hat. Yeah, the black hat's important, so don't forget the black hat. At, at no point in this movie is there stand-up that is funny. That's, like, an important part yeah. of this, I think. I don't, yes. I don't think they mean to do that. But at the same time, I think they purposely aren't funny. And I don't know why they would do that. So he's, like, ribbing this girl, in the, this this woman in the audience. He's asking her where she was born, but he says, it like, where, where, where'd you burst your sack? Something like that. And um, <laughs> Shecky says, hey, just leave the gal alone. And then then he pulls, <laughs> he says, well, I just got, <laughs> sorry, let me start that over. I think it's so funny. 
<laughs> it's so funny to me. Sticky's like, oh, so like dismisses him, and then Shaggy says, "Well, I guess I'm just gonna have to shoot you." And then he pulls out this gun from his coat and shoots, <laughs> and shoots Sticky yeah. Diamond, and then gets up and starts and starts um doing comedy. Yeah. And ha- I wrote down, "What the fuck is that real? Is this a dream sequence?" Oh, it's a dream sequence. <laughs> the, well, the, I also love when he got on stage with Dickie's dead body there, he kicks him to the side and then says, like, there's nothing heavier than a dead comedian. Yeah. And then just, like, makes a noise and everyone laughs. And it's, No, that's foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. That was, <laughs> that was actually one of the funniest parts of the movie is when he just shot him because I didn't see that coming. So there's a, a lovely wipe transition that George Lucas would be jealous of. Um, and then that's when we meet um, the rocker guy, Crokey, and his agent Mort. Uh, Crokey has a lovely tattoo on his arm, which <laughs> just is just a, a naked woman with a big bush. <laughs> <laughs> um, his name, I have to point out though, is Croker. Yes, but they call him Crokey a lot. Yeah, but his name's Croker. Yeah, so he's dressed up like Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses. Or Andrew Dice Clay. Or Andrew Dice Clay, and he has these awful teeth. <laughs> like, that's the whole <laughs> His thing. band's name's called Yellow Teeth, which you learn about five minutes later, but in the beginning, I was just thinking, like, does this man have the most disgusting teeth in the world? And he does. It's so <laughs> gross. Uh, but he and his agent Mort are talking about um, how they are going to make uh, dolls of him. And they're having this conversation while he's sucking on his girlfriend Bambi's finger. <laughs> like in this really overly sexual way. And then when Crokey learns from Mort that the dolls will get them, which which they have like this discussion, action figures or dolls. Mm-hmm. Um, when he figures out that these dolls are going to earn him $40 million dollars. He agrees as long as it, as long as he's not smiling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Mort is very happy about this and kisses Crokey's nose. <laughs> and then this is when Shaggy comes around. Shaggy asks him what uh what Crokey wants to drink, and Crokey orders a la- like one of those fruity drinks with an umbrella and a fruit right? with layers. With layers, which I like. Yes, as a as an old bartender, I know exactly what he's talking about, which is funny. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff I could say with queer theory in this <laughs> scene alone. <laughs> Next, though, the most important thing is one of my biggest laughs is they then, as he's going to leave, Crokey and Bambi do the nastiest open mouth kiss I've ever seen, <laughs> where it just they're. They do like full cow tongue around each other so you can see it and you can just see Adam Sandler's face being disgusted in the background. Yeah, it's so gross. (laughs) Oh man, I was dying at that. The Foley effects for the the kissing. Yeah, it was like a Slurpee machine. (laughs) (laughs) So gross. Um, yeah, Shecky complains about not being able to get women. Uh, yeah, he was that, the women don't like me and I'm not funny. Like he, he says something along that multiple times throughout the movie. Yes, and then they go back to the pageant girls and they answer another set of questions. Uh, again, just making the women seem stupid and shallow. And that one, I think, was when they threw in the the joke ugly woman who was played by the guy who did croaky. Oh, I didn't see that. Mm. Yeah, there's, I think, three instances of cross-dressing in this movie. Definitely two. There's another brief weird scene that's, again, they play that reggae song from the opening credits. And <laughs> yeah. Dickie too girly, girly. is dancing to it. Yeah, you're too girly, girly. Young man, you're too girly, girly. W- weird stuff. And and then it's the bar scene, right? Oh my gosh, I forgot the grossest thing. Crokey talks about the job he had as a waiter. Oh, yeah. This is this is in the previous scene. He talks about the job he had as a wait had as a waiter and how he would have to touch people's chewed up food and it would get under his fingernails and it would be there for days and days and it would stink, he said. And I was like, <laughs> oh, so gross. And then later he tells us he tells another story, like he tells it as if he had never met Shecky before and he says, I took a number two and didn't wash my hands. I love Shecky's responses. <laughs> I think that's illegal. Um a weird thing the the weird thing about it is that they purposely make croaky just so disgusting like he's just the nastiest slime ball like i like he's so gnarly like punk aesthetic fine but like not people are like there's just like rotting meat underneath my fingers and i don't wash my hands when i shit like (laughs) and then singing a song only about like hot tuna (laughs) 
Like, he's just the nastiest dude. So during this whole scene, Shecky is drinking... Milk. <laughs> he's, he's obviously drinking a glass of milk. and I, It's just milk. I don't know why. They ha- <laughs> never bring any attention to it. They have beer glasses. Everyone else has a beer glass, and Shecky just drinks milk. Well, they have a discussion of attract- attractiveness. Um, Shecky asks Bob, who's more attractive, me or you? And Bob says, well, me, of course. And then a, a woman comes up immediately and asks uh, Bob to go off and make out with her, basically. Um, and then this Australian woman comes up to the bar. Shecky says, hi. Um, and she gets so offended and walks away. And then Dickie comes up. And this is when Shecky asks him, hey, can I open up for you? And they have this really long back and forth. I feel like it, like they were telling them to improv a little bit, but no, they didn't. They just said the same lines five yeah, times. Yeah, it, it was like a multiple minutes of Shecky just going like, can, can I please start for you? It would be like really cool. Like I'm a comedian and blah, blah. And then Dickie, it's not saying no, just says, dude, listen. I don't care about what you're saying and I don't want to hear it. And like, they just say that back and forth like 40 times. I feel like it was just an absurdly long time. Now, you know, this is pretty key to a lot of Adam Sandler's early humor though. Cause if you look like, remember when we were watching the SNL stuff Mm -hmm. with the house sitter? Yeah. So very similar to that. And it's also very similar to the, the, they're all going to laugh at you skit. You know, just like the repetition humor. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something he definitely does a lot. And also the, the juvenile voice he actually hasn't really developed yet, but where he's like, like oh, won't you do blah, 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 yeah. Like the thing that mm-hmm. he's known for, acting extremely juvenile, he actually doesn't really have in this. Instead, he's acting like he wants to be a man, which is unsettling to see Adam Sandler do, to like womanize like yeah. that. Um, yeah. But the thing that, like, strikes me, especially here, is he it's the most unconfident person I've ever seen in a film. And I, d- I can't tell if he was playing that character or if he was that scared. Because he's 22, 23 in the movie. So, yeah, like, he's so young. He might legitimately be that nervous. I felt like he was nervous and it wasn't necessarily an act. Yeah, I, I don't know about that either. But it's so true. He's so unconfident for the whole time. So, well, anyway, it turns out the mean Australian woman is Dickie Diamond's girlfriend, and Dickie Diamond punches Shecky just for saying hi to her, um, because she says that he was hitting on him. <laughs> Bartender. Played by Alan uh, Covert, right? That's his name? Who is Covert, Covert. yeah. yeah. Who's, in a, who's in, like, one of the main people in these Happy Madison films. He's in a lot of them. Yeah, I love that guy. He tells... <laughs> This line is so stupid. He says, behind the mask of a clown lies a trail of tears. <laughs> Which is like supposed to sound deep and it just absolutely is not for that. And then another one of my favorite scenes comes up because um, he tells Dickie to go, or he tells Shecky to go to bed. So Shecky walks out and he has to walk past all the couples making out and he sits right down next to one. Talks to the camera, says, like, where am I going to be in 10 years? Then they go back to the pageant and, like, where where do you see yourself in 10 years? And they all answer that. And most of them talk about, like, they're, they're going to have kids. And then it goes back to Shecky and Shecky says, I'll be a bagel vendor. <laughs> he says, oh, man, I can't sleep. I'm too depressed. I know it will make me feel better meditating. <laughs> that one that one was good. Because, I, I, again, I just didn't see him... Uh doing a joke about i'm gonna meditate all night to make me feel better i don't know well the funny thing of this was the thing that made me laugh the most is what came next because immediately after that like they have the scene where they they zoom out again they they use the same like clip of the ship they have one night clip and one day clip of the ship and they just keep reusing it over and over again but um they they do the night clip of the ship and then it goes to daytime and then we see shecky in his room and he says like, oh, man, I'm so depressed. No one thinks I'm funny. I know what's going to make me feel better is if I lie down and escape reality and have and, like go to sleep. And it's daytime. So I, I realized they did the meditation thing because they filmed the dream sequence in the daytime. You could see oh. the sunlight coming. <laughs> I didn't really put that together. But yeah, that's that's I, <laughs> I also. Oh, God. The funniest thing for me is him doing the. Where am I going to be in 10 years not realizing he'd be, like, the biggest actor 
just about in the world. He, he oh yeah. Ten years from then, he's doing Big Daddy and Waterboy. You know, like it's hilarious. Yeah. That he had already been fired from SNL in ten years. So they do this dream sequence. There are two in a row. The first one is he's in an insane asylum. He's in a straitjacket. He has an apple in his mouth. There is a woman in a bathing suit with a snare drum um, playing like a but um except without symbol and. Dickie Diamond is doing stand-up at him. It's just the Australian woman was the one doing it. Oh, was yeah, it? Yeah, it was just his girlfriend, the one that was mean to him. Anyway, like, the color red is so prominent in this scene and, and elsewhere, too, which I'll get into some of the symbolism. Um, I was really trying to read into this movie. So, like, there, again, the color red is here is really prominent. Like, when Dickie Diamond is telling jokes, sometimes he's holding a microphone with, like, a red like foam thing over the top of it looks like a clown nose and then adam sandler has the red apple in his mouth and the drum is red too um and then the most what the fuck moment happens do you remember Mm. oh yeah yeah that's the scene where diggy diamond it just goes to a uh animation and he rips his own eyes out and rips the skin off his face so scary and hilarious i laughed oh man it was just like so jarring yeah uh which yeah it seemed very i don't know what how to get out of this scene thing and it was not the same art style as the caricature at the beginning with adam sandler as a caricature it was i actually i actually looked it up the guy who animated that apparently made phineas and ferb oh weird yeah that's that's all that's all that has to do. It is weird. <laughs> so Adam Sandler wakes up and he says, oh man, what a nightmare. And then he says, I'm going to have a better dream this time. And he lays right down. Here we get the second dream sequence. And Shecky's like doing the cartoonish like buff walking down the beach. And he actually looks pretty good. I mean, he's he's a fit young man. Um, and then there's a woman on the beach and he like starts making out with her. And then she runs off and then a bunch of girls run up and start kissing on him. And then the music shifts to this ominous thing. We we get this, um, the camera pans up from the feet up to this woman in a red dress. And I realized, no, it's the actor who plays Bob in a, in a dress, in a red dress. And she starts berating him saying like, I can't believe it. <laughs> she says, your weenie's going to fall off just like your father's. <laughs> so Shecky wakes up because it's actually Bob trying to wake Shecky up. Uh, Bob is telling him about like the girl that he had sex with the night before in absolutely <laughs> outlandish terms. It was like the scene from 40-year-old virgin where they describe where he describes Yeah, he said like, her <laughs> her boobs were hard like softballs and they were like torpedoes. <laughs> Which Yeah. <laughs> yeah yep. Yeah. That's how and then like. he says <laughs> and then he says man oh man oh man <laughs> and then Shecky says you know, you look just like my mother. So they have a scene in the kitchen where Shecky and Bob talk again. How Shecky like really wants to prove that he's a good comedian. He tells a stupid joke about a woman uh, peeing on a woman's shoes, and then they have this another weird little dream sequence where um, they are boxing. Dicky Diamond and Shecky are boxing. Yeah, except instead of <laughs> throwing any punches. They're just telling jokes about each other to each other, and when they say them, they, like, reel back like they got hit. And this is where it really came into, like, terms of Dickie made a few jokes, and you're like, okay, those were really bad. And then Shecky goes, and they act like they're way better, but they're just the exact same jokes, basically. Like, they're zero difference. By the way, Shecky's in the red corner Ooh. in this one. And then it goes back to the pageant stuff and it's like vapid politics this time except with miss australia who starts insulting noriega saying that he smells bad (laughs) smells like old pizza and then we go back to the framing device and it's we find out that the man who was putting in the vhs tapes was noriega this whole time and he's like watching this pageant thing happen yeah he's watching the movie of what they call it on the movie cases the unsinkable Shecky Moskowitz and uh he calls in his workers and there's like it's this, it's this terrible brown face I'm not sure if it is I think it's the VHS filming stuff because when you see them not in the dark they are just two tanned guys one of them tanned like red because he's obviously burnt it's very much like yeah. an, a terrible 80s bronzer tan 
I mean, they're still pretending to oh, be, yeah. I don't know. Well, the, there is a, a very strange thing where one is named Ahmed, but they're from Panama. And they're, yeah. yeah, it's Ahmed and Ekamed. So, like, at one point they speak Spanish, but then they're doing bad accents. If... French or, like... <laughs> I, uh, it's so... There's a lot going on there, and none of it sits right, basically. No, but I actually think that they, they are pretty funny characters, because they're, like, bumbling idiots. Um, By the way, uh, the person who plays uh, Noriega uh, is Burt Young. Yeah, yeah. But anyway... um. Noriega tells these guys to go kill Miss Australia for saying all these bad things. There's also a little bit of a scene, like uh, like I mentioned, that they want to be stand-up comedians. Yeah, they, they ask, "Why you like comedians?" And they're like, "Oh, we're working on a bit." Like that's yeah, just that much. This is when I think my favorite part of the movie comes about because this is when they cut to Dickie being sick, right? Yes. So um, he's wearing a red Laugh Factory shirt. Um. And then Ellen comes. We we learned that Miss Australia is named Ellen. And she says, like, oh, I said everything you wanted me to say about Noriega. Which is not explained why why Dickie does <laughs> no. not like this guy. I mean, of course, he's, like, a dictator and stuff. But, like, why, when asked about politics, Dickie would be like, I want you to say he stinks like old pizza. Like, <laughs> but whatever. So... She mentioned, like, by the way, he has looked like he's, like, feeling seasick, right? So Ellen says she's going to go get a pastrami sandwich, and that makes him feel really ill. And he, like, starts to go throw up over the over the railing, and he loses his hat in the water. I I think they cut something out where Shecky poisons him with poop by not washing his hands. I think that must have existed. Because yeah, I think you're right. Because he has obvious food poisoning. He's not seasick in it, it seemingly. I mean, he gets sicker when he looks at the water, but, like... Regardless, he ends up going to his bathroom, and he gets locked in the bathroom. Not explained, by the way. Uh, but Ellen comes back, she sees the hat in water, and thinks he went overboard. And they have this, this silly little funeral where the preacher eats his own booger. <laughs> and Shecky's watching. Yeah, the preacher, like, starts doing Christian stuff, starts saying the Yankee score, starts talking in Hebrew, then starts eating his own boogers all during the funeral. <laughs> so weird and then, and then while that's happening the crowd there's people going but who will make us laugh there's no one left to make <laughs> us laugh and no one i think i want everyone to think in their heads who do you think shows up at this point in the film if you guessed billy zane as king neptune lord <laughs> of the sea <laughs> yeah because that's who it is and he just gives Shecky a, a little speech to pep him up and says you're funny i believe in you that's it okay i i know that i said like i've said like a bunch of people are my favorite characters in this movie but king neptune is a highlight i love billy zane as king neptune he's so funny because he comes in when he originally comes in it's shecky's talking to the camera and behind him (laughs) billy zane is like crawling across the railing yeah just climbing on board (laughs) boat oh my god but when he said was it a hex on exxon I was dying. That was that was a good oh, throwaway that was, line. That was a good line. Uh, they go back to the. We see Ahmed and Ahmed sailing to the cruise ship. They go back and forth between them a while for a bit, but then um, it's Bob and Shecky in their room or in Shecky's room, and they sing a song <laughs> called "Comedy." Such a lovely lady. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Shecky's sad. And Bob's like, would a song cheer you up? He's like, yeah, I guess. And then they just sing a show tune together for 35 seconds. Have a great time, and then they're happy. I like that part of the movie. That was good. (laughs) So, Shecky decides that he is going to be the new ship's comedian because Dickie's presumed dead. So, (laughs) he goes up on stage. Ellen is crying in the audience. Um, And, uh... Shecky absolutely bombs, mostly because he starts ask he starts talking to Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, uh, his entire bit because Bob has told him at this point, "Don't go up and try to tell jokes. You're bad at jokes, but you're just a funny guy. Just go like talk." And he just asks Billy Bob Thornton what he does. He's like construction. He's like, "Oh, is that a hard job?" And they're like, "What the fuck is this? This isn't a joke. Get to the jokes." Yeah. And then they just boo him a lot. Well, the and then they, the women start chanting, "We want Dicky." Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. But he's, he's like, he's dead. What am I supposed to do? You, you want the corpse up here? <laughs> uh. 
they get Croker to come up and sing. They have a whole concert set up. They do the, <laughs> they do the I want to slap your cat, and it's the whole song. Yeah. Um, and this is where I knew that they were making fun of Axl Rose because he did the whole like Axl snake dance. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. There's a moment in the concert where Crokey is blowing on like a jug. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot him blowing on the the moonshine jug. That was good. Um, yeah. he, he puts the entire mic in his mouth at one point, which was really quite good. I say one thing I found interesting in this scene is Shecky's watching from the crowd and purposely not getting into the song. And there is a girl next to him trying to get him to dance she's like elbowing him in the scene and i i thought that was a pretty telling thing of like he's probably misguided and doesn't actually specifically want to be funny because he wants to get girls it's that he wants to be funny and he isn't because girls might like him anyway and he's unwilling to see that yeah just saying <laughs> so they go to a scene with Bob and Shecky again, and Bob says that stand-up comedy is degrading, and it's the worst. <laughs> he literally says, stand-up is the most degrading thing you can ever do. It's pathetic. Comedy's about trying, like, you're up there begging for their love and their acceptance. And you're selling out your family and talking about all the worst parts of your life and how fat and ugly you are. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was a good scene with Bob, though. And then he's like, I hate comedians. But Shecky says he just likes being funny. He doesn't want to be psychoanalyzed. Which, I, I love that. It's just the, the, I don't want to be psychoanalyzed about it. I just like being funny. And I'm just like, hey, what a good movie for our first episode of this. The- yeah. <laughs> it's perfectly thematic. Yeah. So Bob tells Shecky that instead of being himself, he should tell some jokes. So the complete opposite <laughs> advice that he gave before. And then Shecky says, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And he says, first, let's do a montage of beautiful women. So it goes through all the women, like, um, on the ship to a slowed down version of Baby You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, which is actually, we found out, performed by Adam Sandler. Yeah, I remember mentioning during it, I said, what is wrong with this version of the song? Because it's like half the speed i would say of it it just was so awkwardly long yeah so it goes back to Ahmed and ekamed and <laughs> this scene was probably my favorite i've said that like five times but <laughs> i swear to you now where ekamed is eating a big piece of, like this huge salami <laughs> a and big salami ahmed is he says like did your wife make you that and ekamed says yep and then Ahmed looks at him and he says, I don't have a wife. <laughs> Your salami is very big. Big enough for two peoples. Big enough for three peoples. Big enough to feed a whole family. And they have like a fight. Give me a little slice. Give me a little hunk. And they have a very new fight. I mean. Just the way the lines are delivered is is the best acting in this whole movie. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Ahmed can have a little salami as a treat, though. Yeah. Just a little. But, I wrote here that this is a very homoerotic scene. Yeah, them fighting over the salami. I also think that they're supposed to, based on the physical comedy they do and all this stuff, they're supposed to be a, uh, was it, a Costello and Abbott type comedy group. You know, the duos that banter with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, later they do a version of Who's on First that makes no sense. Which Absolutely was- no sense. Uh, it goes back to Noriega. Um, where Noriega has a girlfriend and he's talking about, uh, she's talking about how her dad's in jail for, <laughs> for not liking Noriega. For not voting uh, for him, yeah. For not voting for him. And they're watching this all go down on the, on the TV. Live, by the way. Like, he's like, he's, he's getting angry that they're not going in the right direction at times. And like, yeah. being annoyed at watching Shecky, which is a yeah. very <laughs> weird way to frame a movie. Is having someone who's being antagonistic towards them live watching them, even though it's supposed to be a VHS tape. Yeah, it's it's so because the camera is, again, strangely diegetic. It's so weird. Hmm. They've mentioned the camera several times. Yeah. Um, But Noriega tells the girlfriend, like, oh, your dad will find his philosophy in the can, meaning in jail. But then they go to Dickie in the bathroom. And I thought that was a pretty clever wordplay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And he he hears he hears Mort and Croker. Um, Croker out there and he starts pounding on the door and they think it's a ghost and get scared and leave. It's just like a... <laughs> yeah, Croker says he can't handle ghosts, man. I think was the... Yeah. 
<laughs> um, goes to Shecky and Bob having a thumb war, and they talk about the clothes that Shecky's going to wear. Shecky want, wants to wear his green shirt. Bob says he should wear the pink shirt. It brings out and your then, tan. Yeah, it brings out your tan. Um, and then they decide that they're, he's going to wear both. And this actually comes into play later. I don't know if you noticed. Well, it kind of does, but it, it purposely doesn't, right? Because in the next scene, he's wearing just the pink shirt. I will get to it. He's wearing a pink shirt, but okay. So they, um, and then Shecky is upset because he bombed again. He's like, do I even know what's funny or like what's going yeah, on? Do here? I know He's... nothing about comedy? And then Milton Burl comes into the scene. They're suddenly in like this restaurant. It makes no sense. Plus Milton Burl has a laugh track behind him. Yeah, which I actually liked a lot that they just gave him a laugh track. Yeah, uh, so Milton Burl basically says, you're you're using the wrong technique. You're telling these jokes to a bunch of pageant women. Tell these jokes instead. And the whole set is about him making fun of women. There's a, there's a thing about that, that when he learns he's telling jokes about hoodlums to pageant women, he's like, no, you have to tell jokes about, like, ugly woman to pageant women. And I think... It's kind of a know your audience thing, but it's a, it's weirdly set up. I think he's trying to insinuate that Shecky likes the hoodlum joke because he's a hoodlum. Mm. It's it's kind of weird because the joke he tells him to tell just sucks really bad too. Yeah. So <laughs> who knows? There are no there are no funny jokes in this movie. Um, but he does tell him that a comic possesses the strongest weapon for bringing people together and making them feel happy. There is nothing more important in the world than the power of laughter. God. I don't even know. Anyway. <laughs> the thing is, that's so self-aggrandizing now, but, like, no one in this movie other than him was good or funny or, like, well-known yet. Oh, I'm not rolling my eyes about that. I'm rolling my eyes about how they implement this theme later. Oh, yeah. Um, I will point out, though, that uh, Milton Berle is basically the antithesis of Andrew Dice Clay. He's a clean comedian, been around forever. He's a very, like, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the, the way I say it. Like, you know, he, he didn't make gross jokes, necessarily. Well, one of the jokes he told Adam Sandler to say was, her boobs are so small she had to carry her nipples in her pocket. Which, like, that was kind of funny. That was kind of funny. It was <laughs> yeah. a little funny. So Adam Sandler has to figure out how to get back to the cruise ship. He's like, oh, there must be some kind of magic comedy word. Or phrase. So he says, why did the chicken cross the road? Oh, no, that's not it. Why do firemen wear red suspenders? No. Not take my wife, please. There it is. Take my wife, please. Take my wife, please. And he's back on stage and everyone's laughing. And he's wearing the green shirt in this scene. Yeah, which was what he called the lucky shirt earlier. Yeah. I did think about starting this episode by saying, take my wife, please. Because <laughs> it's the magic comedy words. As, as long as <laughs> I... Name of the episode. Take as, my wife, please. As, well, I, we'll probably have to name it Going Overboard, though. No. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, I'll just make sure to say it once per episode. Right. Take my wife, please. <laughs> Sorry. Right. So, Ahmed and Ahmed finally find the cruise ship, um, and they start getting on, and, like, they're shooting. Everyone's afraid, but Shecky doesn't want to leave, even though everyone's running, but Bob tells them they have to go. Shecky and Bob get in a lifeboat, and yeah, while they're there, Ekman and Ahmed, um, they keep looking into the camera, directly into the camera, saying, like, this is no joke. And we're not fooling. No kidding, because there are, again, no jokes in this movie. I'm laughing a lot, but there's just no jokes in the movie. I don't know why it's so <laughs> funny are. to me. I we were we were laughing more now recording this than we were watching the movie. That, that's fair. So she, uh, it turns out that Ellen is in the lifeboat too. Um, and then Shecky says he says that he thinks Ellen should die because she was a bitch. <laughs> and then yeah, she comes out of hiding on the lifeboat and she says, "Oh, you're talking behind my back." And then I think he just calls her a bitch to her face. He does. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ellen says, that was what I was like before, but now Dickie's, now that Dickie's dead, I'm my own woman. And apparently being your own woman means that when two terrorists threaten to cut off your nails and not digest them when they eat them, it means that she needs to be very concerned because she just grew out her nails and then she runs away in her heels. And there's this really stupid chase scene that goes on way too long. 
Yeah, they they Scooby Doo it up pretty big. They try to Scooby Doo it, but they don't do it very well. Yeah. Um. And during this whole thing, by the way, it keeps going back and forth between the green shirt and the pink shirt, which I thought was really funny and clever. I forgot the one thing that made me laugh so hard that my throat hurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when they when when Ahmed and Ekamed, and by the way, I'm calling them terrorists because that's what they call them in in the movie. Yeah, they they just refer to them as terrorists once they're on they the do. ship. I mean, which they are. They're they're attacking cruise ships trying to kill. They're, they're billed on. The cast as terrorist without shirt and terrorist with mustache. Yeah, and I don't want you to think that because their names are... I didn't name them Ahmed and Ahmed. Okay, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. oh, we're, we're taking it from the source. But when they first go, there's just a random guy in a banana costume. <laughs> it is not mentioned. There's just a dude in a banana costume running away with all the other people. Yeah, he's later in the audience listening to jokes, too. I know. It's so funny. Anyway, but they keep running away, and then um, Ellen tells Bob that she wished she were ugly so people would take her seriously. Um, she wished she were deformed, and Bob thinks that's very attractive. Yeah. There's a little scene where they're hiding again, and Ellen and Bob kiss, and then the two terrorists grab this random woman who is just there and say that they're going to start killing hostages, starting with her. And Ellen has this moment where she says... I don't know if we should save her because she always wins when we compete. And this is my only chance to win international. <laughs> but eventually she pops out of hiding. She says, I was just kidding. I think Noriega is great. I only said it to be smart. And then they, they grab her. And Shecky tries to convince Bob to go save her. And that doesn't go well. Bob gets like hit in the head. Yeah, I remember in that too. He's trying to convince Bob to save her because he had just been making out with her. And it's the right thing to do. And they have this thing of like... I'm more afraid of being guilty than of death. And then he convinces Bob to run out there. And then he's like, that's not true, though. I am way more afraid of death. Which <laughs> yeah. which I I found kind of funny is that he didn't go out there and try to save him after. And then uh, he hears Bob, Bob Merle? What was his name? Uh, Milton Burl. Milton, Milton Burl. Burl. Yeah. Um, saying kill him with laughs. And um, yeah. <sighs> I don't know, like, there's a weird scene where he's, like, kind of doing the Popeye song, and... Yeah, really he, he makes the Popeye noise a little and then runs on stage. Oh, yeah, he takes Ahmed with him to the uh, microphone. Um, when Ahmed goes up to the microphone, though, on the other end, like, the first thing he says is, take my wife, and I laughed. It was... <laughs> the timing. The timing was great. And he starts telling some stupid jokes. And they go over super well. Oh, yeah. And then Ahmed goes there, too, and they start telling jokes, too. And they're, again, they're incomprehensible jokes. Yeah, they, th this is where the first baseman went to second baseman and he was third base joke comes from. Which, actually, yeah. I think I could tell at a stand-up night and I think I could get laughs for that. That's pretty good bad joke. <laughs> yeah. Just com normal jokes that are completely incomprehensible sounds like a very funny genre to me it is a very funny genre so bob gets ellen and ellen <laughs> and bob confess their love for each other and they they say that they're gonna get married <laughs> yep and in the meantime when ahmed and ahmed are on the stage ahmed asks <laughs> his friend to kiss him um <laughs> yeah and then it cuts to dickie he's in the bathroom he says listen if anyone's out there uh, I promise to never flip off because the, the whole movie he's flipping everything off and saying fuck you. And he says I promise to never flip off or curse again. And the door opens and he says <laughs> he says ha, 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 you stupid motherfuckers. I'm an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> so Dickie comes out and he goes on stage. He sees the two terrorists on the stage. He's like, what? That's my stage. Get off my stage. And they all boo Dickie. And one person from the audience yells, Hey, you're supposed to be dead. <laughs> So Ahmed knocks him out, and they the two of them take him to the railing, and they throw him overboard. And then goes back to Noriega, and he shoots the TV, and the TV blacks out. And I think, oh, that's the end of the movie. But no. They go back to Shecky. He's in his waiter's outfit, and he's, <laughs> Neptune comes up to him, and he has <laughs> the lie delivery from King Neptune. Yeah, he just, well, he just he's, goes, slimy. <laughs> yeah. 
I want you to meet my, my daughter, Slimy. <laughs> he yells it. Whenever he says Slimy, he just yells it. He yells it. It's so funny. Um, And then um, Adam Sandler asks Neptune for, for permission to go kiss his daughter to close out the movie real nice. Um, and when they go out to like the bow and the sun, the sun sets there and it's supposed to be really romantic, but it takes a really long, awkward time for them to actually kiss. Yeah, he keeps going in and out and being like nervous to do it. There's a lovely dance scene at the end to the song, I'm Gonna Slap Your Cat. Yeah. And then it really ends with Noriega throwing a grenade. He's, by the way, holding a cat when he does this. And then it does the credits. Oh, yeah, I forgot. It ends with, like, Shecky just laughing for, like, 25 seconds to, a bla- like, a nearly black screen. And that's it. That's the movie. Yeah. The reason it took so long to recap is because none of the plot points make sense. Because there's not really a plot to it. So you have to explain every scene. <laughs> Because it's just a collection of individual scenes. Well, the thing I noticed about first is there was a lot of narrative about not selling out and, like, why do girls like millionaires and he's worried about his image all the time and that type of thing. He's so worried about what other people think of him. At the end, he's kind of just doesn't worry about what other people think of him, but he's telling terrible jokes. So I don't know if there's a message that I really take from it. Because he just turned into Dickie when he started telling jokes. He took the exact, like, mannerisms from him. Yeah, he's not talking about incest like Dickie was. But he is telling horrible jokes and then just going bong after. Which is fine, I guess. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. Like, it obviously doesn't end satisfyingly for that type of thing. No. But I, I kind of related slightly to the message of, like... Oh, what the hell am I going to do? I think I'm really bad at the thing I love. That type of stuff was, like, very interesting to see. Um, Because I don't think we'll see it very often in Adam Sandler movies where he's like, I'm introspective and maybe not so good at this. I actually think that a lot of his movies are pretty introspective, but in different ways. Yeah. Um, I don't think about the art of comedy, though. I think by the time he's, you know, five years later, which is only one or two movies from now, he is like, I'm good at comedy. I've been on SNL for years. Like, he he learns his chops. It's an interesting thing to see, like, this is him before he's big. At this point, he had been on MTV once or twice and, like, The Cosby Show once. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the, like the whole feel of it is a high school kid doing a YouTube video. Yeah, that is one part of the this movie. If it was 25 minutes shorter... I think a lot of people would like it. Yeah, like I said, it was like it's like two steps away from being a really funny cult classic. If there were more Neptune in it, I would have been laughing my ass off the entire time because Billy Zane was great. Like there were a lot of moments that could have been done better, but it just didn't have the energy behind it. Yeah, actually that that's an interesting thing to point out is like Adam Sandler carries so many of the movies I remember him in. Like mm-hmm. Who else could you put as Billy Madison? Oh, not Billy Madison, because you don't know that one. Happy Gilmore, the golfing movie. Who else could play that character? You know, like, I don't, I don't yeah, have... Yeah, there's, there's a lot like that, yeah. And he does not carry the movie one bit in this. No, but I think the problem is they don't really give him a character that has any sort of direction. He's just this underconfident person the entire time. And I think part of the problem with this is that Shecky is... <laughs> basically a uh like he's he's almost like a shredded 23 year old dude like him playing an unconfident guy doesn't work too well no like they they call him ugly over and over and he's not doing anything like in little nicky he i don't know like slouches a bunch and yeah i don't know he has like the weird makeup and he like looks to the left and has a bad haircut he just he looks probably better than everyone else in the movie in this Adam Sandler looks like a Chad. You're right. Yeah, he's he's a Chad, but he's acting unchadly, and that's that's what like doesn't do the movie well. And that's why. Do you want to hear my hot take? This movie is about struggling with heteronormativity. I think at this point it would be good to point out that this movie was written by a woman and directed by a woman, Valerie Bryman. Yes. And I think based on some of the other stuff she has worked on you you might be right but tell me more about it so this whole time this whole movie shecky is really he's seeing these toxic masculine archetypes in croaker and in dicky and these are the people that he thinks society wants him to be he thinks that 
he's supposed to get women. He thinks that he's supposed to be all of these things. And he doesn't know how to achieve it because really he doesn't want it. And we see that at the end of the movie when when he gets a girl. It doesn't look like he wants to kiss her, really, at first. Yeah, and because the movie is so meta about how it's portraying things, he points out that basically Neptune came to... Which is a, just a deus ex machina. It's a god showing up to fix his problems. He brings a girl for him to kiss at the end of the movie. And he's doing it because he was told to. In the same way he was told that he's funny. Even though it doesn't seem like he's funny. You know, stuff like that. He's being told a lot of stuff of what he's supposed to be. And at no point does he show he is. Well, in fact, he says that he's going to kiss her to make a good ending to the movie. Not because he wants to. Yeah. Um... There, there's a lot of phrasing like that where he, I, I, I'm, I'm not as familiar with the the heteronormative stuff, but with phrasing that uh, young men, I used to run a bar, and I used to bartend. Uh, young men use because they think they're supposed to of objectifying women, thinking it's you know if I do X Y Z I can get women that whole thing, not understanding the basics of social interaction, and that was very clear from my point of view that it seemed like Shecky was a 20-something-year-old who didn't know what he was doing and was going through the motions because he was told to, basically. Yes, and that's kind of like the heteronormativity thing. I mean, he is struggling also with this toxic masculinity, this idea that he has to perform masculinity in this certain way. And in fact, he even lets Bob tell him how to do this, these things. Like, Bob tells him to wear the pink shirt. Bob tells him to do this. Bob tells him to do that. And, and obviously he had he had an overbearing mother, according to the dream sequence. So there's all of this. But who said heteronorma- heteronormativity is the same thing, except it's society telling you that you are supposed to want this with a girl because you are a straight man. And one of the things, like, filtered through the, the comedy aspect of it, it's interesting because he sees uh, two different types of comedy portrayed and neither of them are funny in the movie and he sa- they say do either of these and you'll be fine you'll make it and in fact he you know not in this movie but later on he does neither of those and he becomes one of the most successful comedians of all time i find that yeah interesting you know the you can be like homophobic trash man or you can be a old song and dance man who's a real comedian and he, he doesn't either. He talks about Thanksgiving and plays stuff. Um, yeah, he's just weird, you know? Yeah, he, he, he kind of infantilizes himself all the time. That's always something he goes back on. But I think we're going to see a theme of him specifically not being manly as one of his big... There, I think there's times he does act like macho dude in movies, and it's kind of lame. But I think there's a lot, if I remember, of him specifically not doing that and it being like kind of the message yeah there's definitely a lot of that in his films um and i i really do think and i could go more into like the symbolism of like the color red yeah i i I didn't get that hit hit me with the red it's a symbol of masculinity and he is not comfortable with it okay and yeah it's being shoved down his throat in the one uh thing yeah i see it's it's more like a symbol of dominance Mm mm-hmm too, because his his mother, who again is played by the same character as uh, the same actor that plays Bob, and, and it's played for laughs that oh, this is a woman who's like super like, you know, she's strong and everything, and over overbearing, and like he has like you said he has the the red being shoved down his throat like this idea of masculinity, um the the mother in the red dress says like your your weenie's gonna fall off, um. Like all of this stuff, like his his fear of this of this masculinity that he doesn't really want. <laughs> yeah, and and he's serving he at the beginning he's serving Bloody Marys he's serving these red drinks. I I felt like they they did an okay job of showing that these people do not care for the waiters for the most part, or at least don't care for him. Um, and apparently, I think maybe they're trying to symbolize that serving drinks are a uh you know non-masculine thing to do because he's giving away these red drinks even so he gives away a bloody mary but the other drinks on his tray are also red um yeah well he's serving masculinity and he's doing it poorly yeah while he's in this sailor outfit and i mean there's a lot of stuff we could say about um gay culture and sailors hmm uh 
do, do was that intended on behalf of Valerie Bryman? I have no idea because I, I don't know any of her other work. Uh, she she seems to do mostly romance stuff, so who knows? I yeah. I only quickly looked at it. Uh, the two things I went and looked at. We were right. Dickie Diamond is supposed to be based on comedian Andrew Dice Clay, according to IMBD. I don't know if someone ever actually said that or if it's just pretty obvious. Um, but also, it was written in three days and filmed in six days. And the budget was $200,000. That seems like a lot, but cameras are expensive. I don't actually know if that's a lot. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it. this is... It it has all of like it has a mise en scène that could be interesting, but I feel like at at once they're doing way too much and not enough. Mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of energy to carry it through. Adam Sandler cannot carry this movie, or he's just not carrying this movie. And I think a lot of that is because of the character he's portraying, because the script is weak. Yeah, it, knowing the script's written in three days, he probably had to improv a decent amount of it. And in fact. He has writing credit on this film, which I did not originally yeah. know. Um, he just added additional material. So I'm I'm going to say I think the the Sandalayer is actually two star on this movie. I want to bump it up a star. I was going to suggest that actually. I I think this is more important than we might have thought originally. Yeah. Um. You have any other wrap up stuff of uh, opinions, feelings about this movie? I think that. It tried to say a lot of interesting things about comedy, but the movie was so bad, it didn't really get that across. I don't think that was Adam Sandler's fault. I think he did. A, I think he tried to do the best job he could. I, I mean, just knowing that the script was written in three days, obviously, it didn't go through any rewrites. And this, yeah. this movie could use a lot of rewrites. I think it has good first draft material. Yeah, but it <laughs> it feels like a it feels like a student film. Yeah, and I mean, just from. 2020 perspective uh it's lacking a lot just because this kind of movie would already go over pretty bad to like the modern sensibility that Mm -hmm. it goes over pretty bad because it is it's just slow i don't think we gave the showing of how slow it is at times it drags when a scene's done they'll sometimes just like hang out for like 30 seconds and like be like looking around taking a sip of a drink and you're just like what what are you doing just be done and all that stuff not not to throw valerie bryman under the bus but that's a director's job yeah i mean <laughs> again they probably just didn't have time <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what was going on with this film but obviously it was i mean it starts with them saying this is a zero budget film and we only did this because we have access to x and y but i think it's a lot more interesting a film in the time it was made which was 80s comedies had a ton of just, like, bikini babe movies, you know? Yeah. Which, actually, Valley Bryman made a movie called Bikini Squad four years later. Bikini Squad, actually, I think would be interesting for you to watch because uh, the summary is a woman director is hired to finish the season of Bikini Squad a popular TV series about California beach lifeguards, a more than obvious lack of talent and basic intelligence among the crew makes her contemplate leaving the set. And it sounds a lot like, you know, more film that's vaguely touching on the the weird masculinity in film and TV. Yeah. I guess unhealthy would be a better word than weird, but yeah. This movie is about toxic masculinity in a in a big way. But they also demean women so much throughout it that it and there's nothing that nothing again nothing meaningful that comes out of that nothing redeeming and that's what yeah well it didn't do it for me I really thought they were going to end it with Miss Australia being someone or doing anything or that I don't know I I just thought because. I, I, I honestly do think Adam Sandler's a little bit better than that. Um, I've shown you my favorite, one of my favorite skits from him and Chris Farley in SNL, right? The, the, them going to the pool party and every time they open up like a Schlitz beer, whatever it's called, just more hunky dudes appear next to him. You've told me about that, but I haven't seen it yet. So I'll have to check it out. They're aware of the, the weirdness basically of Hollywood and, objectification of women to the point where they start making fake ads where 
a bunch of like do really ripped dudes are like sweating next to him and like touching him all the time. I don't know. I I will say movie sucked. No, it was not a good movie. <laughs> no, not um, a great start to this podcast. But I, I I actually think it was a great start. I just think the movie sucked. The next movie is a movie I've seen before. Movie I'm a fan of. And unfortunately, it is a one star sand layer. It is so hard to say that the sand layer. You made it up. Yeah, I don't know why you did that to yourself. Well, everyone knows I already can't talk, so perfect. Um, it's Airheads. It stars Adam Sandler, Bren Fraser, and Steve Buscemi. It's a 1994 movie, so we're going. Um, so five years later, after this movie, this is near the end of his SNL career. The the movie's just pretty good. That's that's what I remember about it. There's nowhere to stream it. I was going to tell people where they could stream it to watch along. Sorry. Hopefully you can find it. <laughs> find it, yeah. Well, you can find us on our new Twitter account, which is Laugh at Him Pod. Um, or you can follow me specifically on Twitter at, at Joska. Uh, and I am at Kitty Crusade. And uh, please take my wife. <laughs> oh, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see ya.